2: Hey, Tommy, you know, we get to drive a lot of different cars and um, we get to be confused by a lot of different automotive infotainment systems. So in this podcast and video, what are we talking about? We are talking about the worst and the best infotainment systems in the industry. Congratulations, you have now tuned into TFL Talk where we discuss everything automotive, whether it's cars or trucks. This is the one place where you can be sure to get independent and honest reviews. Let's get back to the show right now. It's funny because I think over the last 10 years, I have figured out that car companies are good at building cars, but not so good at doing software. Yeah,
3: and when it comes to the modern day infotainments that control everything in the car, be it climate control, navigation, even how the car drives, how the car performs, it's important that you're able to go into the settings, go into the screen and really quickly figure out how to navigate where you need to go. But unfortunately, some of the new systems are not so great.
2: Yeah, and so we're gonna talk about first best ones, the ones that we really like, and then the worst ones, the ones that we really struggle with. But uh, before we get to that, let's talk about the two kind of industry standards, right? Android Auto and uh, um, uh, Google. I mean, uh, Apple CarPlay. Uh, And those two, of course, are the ones that most people are gravitating to just because they basically mirror their phones. Uh, And so it's really easy, uh, if you can especially do it wirelessly, to be able to use those for things like texting, you know, voice commands, email, playing music, you know, Pandora and so forth and so on. Uh, But we're not gonna be talking about those two. You guys know how those two work. And that's what I meant. I mean, both Google and Apple know how to write good software. But it's important to note that the Apple
3: and the Google are great for entertainment, they're great for navigation, great for keeping you in the loop, but they don't control stuff like how hot your heated seats are, and what the interior temperature is, and how much horsepower in some cases your engine is making. They're just simply a
2: way to basically communicate via your phone uh, on a bigger screen in your car. Yeah, but, you know, Android's actually kind of branching out, so for instance, the Volvo system, which we'll be talking about, is based on an Android operating system, so they can do that, right? Yeah, uh, in the, some cases. Right, but uh, Apple CarPlay and Android Auto sit on top of the infotainment system or incorporate into it, but in some cases, actually, Android is running the uh, uh, all that stuff that you just mentioned, but let's get right to it. Let's talk about one of our favorites, uh, which is, Tommy? Well, it's the Jeep and RAM system. And actually it's also used in
3: Chrysler and uh, other Dodge products, but it's called Uconnect. And um, once again, no companies paying us to say anything good or bad about their uh, entertainment system or their screens. No, No, but genuinely the Uconnect system is one of the best in the industry. And the funny thing is Uconnect has been around for a long, long time. I think they're on the fifth generation of it and they've all been great. There has never been a bad Uconnect system because they're simple.
2: Do you remember the old one? It was like little green and blue boxes, right? I
3: still think that was the most usable screen in the industry. It and you looked, would
2: pick like you know you would pick like satellite radio or FM radio, right? It was right. super easy.
3: I mean, it looked like something out of the 1970s, yeah. And uh, its design it looks like something you'd find on a Commodore computer, but it was quick and it was basic and it was so easy to use. Here, let me find a picture of
2: it. Yeah, and one of the things I think that made it always uh, such an easy thing to use is it's always been kind of touch screen, right? There's never been like a mouse or a touchpad or a rotary dial or a little wizard's hat, right? Where you had to go and uh, uh, access it. It's just always been this is what I want, so I push on it, this is what I get. Now, we just drove the latest actually, the uh, Durango with the Hellcat power plant, which had the latest version of Uconnect in it. Uh, and right now, you know, at first, Obviously, it looked like something that Sega would have designed, right, like from the old Mario days, but right now it's becoming really powerful. Uh, and they're kind of working around the edges, right? They're not changing the functionality as much as they are changing, perhaps, you know, the, the depth of colors. Uh, and the new navigation system in the new, in newest version of Uconnect is really, really strong and powerful uh, and just bright and sharp. Uh, it's really becoming, you know, a really... Fun system to use. I do think that the um, Jeep Dodge system from
3: 2010, 2009 was still one of the best ever. (laughs) I, I genuinely, looking at the pictures and I'm having a throwback on how simple it was, it had a volume control, it had hard buttons down the side, which allow you to navigate easier. Um, and then it just had big, easy to understand graphics, nothing fancy, nothing that you'd be like, wow, look at the quality of that, but so, they were reliable and right. they were I, super simple.
2: I misspoke, they didn't have hard buttons, I forgot about that, it's been so long
3: now. Yeah, along the sides they had the hard buttons, but it was still a touchscreen interface. It was great, I, I would absolutely love to have that system come back. Uh, but the current system, which is in most products that you connect for, very easy to understand. So what they've done is they've given you these shortcuts along the bottom of the screen. So if you want to go between radio, media, navigation, um, even CarPlay, you just click a button at the base of the screen and it takes you right to that menu. And then the menus themselves have these nice round or in some cases square
2: icons that are easy to understand and very simple to click on. Yeah, we've got that big 12-inch screen in our TRX, and you can actually uh, divide the screen in half so you can like have the top half be, let's say your audio controls and the bottom half be your Uh, navigation and then you've got the hard buttons along the side Uh, for instance the stuff that you really normally want to hit like the auto button for climate control right where you don't want to screw around and try to find you know how to turn it on or off you also have um, you know like you said the round buttons at the bottom so you can navigate simply from audio to climate to um, you know anything else and then you've got basically a page full of like apps so if you want to get to the performance pages right to Figure out for instance like you know what your steering angle is if you're off-road or how much horsepower you're putting out or how much What temperature is on the intake of the supercharger you can get to that via the performance pages uh, So it's you know, it's it's almost like you know, it's almost I'm holding up my phone It's almost like your phone in that regard.
3: Yeah, it's great. I love it It's also quick so some of those newer systems are pretty laggy, but you connect seems to be very quick and responsive easily I think my favorite in the industry
2: um, but should we go to another one that's pretty good? Yeah, I think the next one, and we're going to disagree on this one, uh, is a Tesla system. I think Tesla has actually done a really good job. Once again, big screen, uh, very intuitive. Uh, you know, it's relatively straightforward to go between like audio and navigation and climate controls. Now with the Tesla system, uh, there are no hard buttons for the most part. All right, it's all um, done through the touchscreen, and some of that can be you know relatively confusing if you're Um, used to for instance having like a hard button that controls your headlights or your windshield wiper I mean they've taken and made everything digital there are shortcuts like there's a button you can push on the stock that will activate your windshield wipers but for instance setting how often they work or if they're on auto same thing with the headlights it's all done through the digital screen Um, and the upside of that is once you learn it it's super easy and it's super intuitive the downside is and this is actually a real downside it's not just theoretical Um, if the screen goes then you're basically locked out of the car and the screen is going on a lot of the early uh, Model S's and Model X's I believe There's there's a recall actually where um, you know, because so much is controlled through that screen, the car becomes dangerous and undrivable. Because let's say you're an autopilot, right, and your screen fizzes out, then what happens? Well, you'd hit the brake, and it would disable <laughs> autopilot. Uh, my issue
3: with the Tesla system is a little bit fussy. Yeah. So, I, I have a couple issues with it.
2: Uh, I just want normal buttons and switches for some items. They're not items. there. And they're going actually away from even more buttons. So the next version, which they, you know, like a month ago they. Unveiled right there actually not even going to have like a drive stock It's going to be in the infotainment. Which is ridiculous.
3: I mean I want buttons for the lights <laughs> light controls Yeah, it's an important safety thing. Yeah. I want hard buttons for the wipers There is one button to like activate a single wipe yeah. on the Tesla But you can't control the speed on the stock. Right. I want uh, a lever or buttons for the gear selector
2: Which is going away. Absolutely. I want a lever or buttons for the turn signal stock Which is also going away. Now it's funny. They're kind of I think they're kind of um using a loophole in our government's regulations because there is nothing that says you have to have a gear shift lever, right? There's no legislation that says you have to have a physical gear shift lever to go from drive to park to reverse. Uh, And so they're putting into the uh, the, uh, infotainment, it's crazy. I do like um,
3: how they also have the shortcuts like you connect at the bottom of the screen. So you can tap the fan icon if you wanna get to the climate control. You can tap the little um, eighth note if you want to get to the music. Um, and you you also have those little buttons at the bottom for, like, the defrost, which is good. So I think there are some good things. Hate not having a volume knob, uh, for, like, the passenger.
2: And I know you hate the, uh, air vent controls.
3: And I don't like the air vent controls on the Model 3 and Model Y because you have to go into the screen. And actually physically move them with your fingers. And I'm not talking about the direction of the air in terms of... Um, like where it goes to your feet, where it goes to the windshield, but the central air vent it's, that faces the yeah, it's passenger It's like on
2: your phone, you, you use your fingers yeah, to manipulate. Yeah, it's, it's just too
3: much. I mean, I like the big navigation screen. Uh, so that brings me to the other thing I don't like though. Tesla changes it, they change it. Yeah. They so do. they can push an over the year update and it could look entirely different. And that happened pretty recently. Yeah, and I wasn't Model happy y. with
2: that. So it used to be that the screen uh, was, you know, Relatively big when it came to let's say you've got a hundred percent right like 75 percent of it was controlling all the cars um, Different functions and 25 percent was that little autopilot that shows you kind of what the vehicle is doing what the um, Cars around you are doing you know what the stoplights are doing and they made that a lot bigger They made that like 40 percent of the screen. I don't like it. I like the smaller version of it. So what that means is it takes away from your usable? Um, experience with the car because now the screen
3: that shows you that you're in park or drive or reverse is six inches wide and the actual screen that you interact with with navigation and audio is now like what with ten inches wide or something or nine inches compared yeah. to what it was before.
2: And by the way, getting rid of that uh, gear selector lever—that's not something that's theoretical. That's coming in five years. That's coming this year in the next uh, updated, refreshed version of the Model S. Uh, so that'll be out this year.
3: It's Supposed to be out this month.
2: Yeah, it's exactly. coming out in
3: March apparently. <laughs> yeah, it's coming out quick. Yeah, so it, it's uh, it's it's happened. And why would you why would you want that? I mean, in what what realm would you want the car? So the idea is the car guesses which direction you wanna drive. Yes. So in theory, you get in the car, uh, you're in your driveway, the car will know to go into reverse. Pull it out of the road Dude, stop,
2: the car's supposed I, to know to go into drive. I, I'm Why super, would you want that? I am super curious about that. I can't wait to see how that works. You know, I'm hoping that it's not one of those, like, Tesla things where you're the beta uh, tester uh, for their new system. But I would think that Tesla has enough uh, experience now in the last, what, 11 years to actually figure that out. But we shall see. I'm I'm crazy curious about how that's going to work. You know, I mean, let's face it, um, Tesla has been leading the pack when it comes to all of this kind of stuff, right? Uh, The infotainment, putting that big, like, uh, iPad-like screen, you know, either one way or the other, vertical or horizontal, into the car. And all the manufacturers have been playing catch-up. There are some things that leading the pack is good with. The giant infotainment screen, awesome.
3: Um, The getting rid of dealers I think was a great move. There are other things that don't need to become a thing, like not being able to select your own gear with the lever. Why is that that, uh, such a hard thing for modern society? I mean, first of all, we got rid of the manual transmission, which I kind of understand, the automatic's much more usable. Um, And then, now
2: Tesla's like, you don't even get to uh, get a lever to choose your direction. We're Dude, gonna do it for Musk you. Is, Musk Musk is working on like, you know, like the next level of brain to computer interface where you actually plug the back of your neck or head into the uh, computer and you become one with the machine. So yeah, uh, it's out there, uh, but it's coming uh, and it is changing uh, the game. People keep asking me like, hey Roman, you're a Tesla fanboy. No, I'm just not, I'm just, it's fact. I mean, they are leading when it comes to a lot of this sort of thing and you can see the other companies are playing catch-up or copying Tesla. All right, let's keep going. What's the next infotainment system, um, automotive that we like? Well, the next good one is uh, General Motors. So- It's very simple. Yeah, and I'm specifically referencing
3: Chevrolet here.
2: Not not Cadillac, because that's probably the worst one, the the old Q, but we'll get to
3: that. Yeah, that's another story. So Chevrolet has a very simple system. Like in the Silverado big round icons, easy to understand. They have some smaller shortcuts at the bottom that are a little bit small, but for the most part, super easy to navigate between audio, uh, phone, navigation, settings. Uh, It's pretty quick. Um, The new system is now quite high definition. Not very flashy, but it works well.
2: And then they have hard buttons for like uh, the climate controls, right? The HVAC stuff. Those are typically below.
3: Right, And then you have uh, controls also for the most part, depending on the vehicle, for volume and for tunes, so it's a great system.
2: I will give you that. I think getting rid of the volume knob is the biggest sin that an automaker, in my mind, can do in terms of their control layout. Uh, Honda did it, and I hated it. Uh, And I think they've got so much blowback that people are now getting their volume knob back. But uh, we were recently... What was the car we were in uh, that had the volume up and down? Oh, it was the... The um, Mirai. Yeah, we were in the the Mirai. The Toyota Mirai. Instead of having a volume knob, they put like a little arrow button, two square buttons, arrow down, arrow up, and... Yeah, just keep the knob. It's so much straight more straightforward. And yeah, I know it's also on the steering wheel. We're not you know that uh, stupid that we can't figure out. You can also do it on the steering wheel. But like Honda went and did this like weird uh, slider bar on the steering wheel instead of just doing straight up buttons or rotary dials and really made it unusable. Honda got rid of the haptic slider on the steering wheel, too. They put a a
3: toggle, so now it's up and down toggle, which was a good thing. All right, so the next system that I like, and and I don't know if you agree with me on this, but I think it's a good system, is the Toyota system.
2: Yeah, uh, so that's a funny thing because I like the Toyota system and I hate the Lexus system. Okay. Uh, And the Toyota system, you know, the difference, of course, is it's, once again, Toyota, like, like anything else, does not lead the pack they're always the most conservative company out there so they figure out what works whether it's mechanical or in this case you know infotainment and they stick with it uh, and yeah they have kind of it's, it's very straightforward uh, it looks a little bit dated already uh, but it does work uh, and for the most part they have kept hard buttons um, to control a lot of the other things now Lexus on the other hand is completely you know lost in the woods uh, they've gone for a touchpad and the first thing I have to do every time I get into a Lexus is change the sensitivity of the touchpad because if you like even look at it or blow on it by accident it jumps into different um, points of the uh, infotainment system Uh, almost I, I would say the Lexus system Tommy in a large part sorry Lexus is almost unusable the good news is the newer
3: Lexus system has gone away from the little pad. So on the new models, what they're doing, I think they did this on the new RX, is you still have the little um, touch-sensitive pad by the yeah. shifter, which can control the screen, but now you can also use your finger and use the screen as, a, as just a normal touch interface, which yeah, they is a the- much better system. Yeah. So, uh, going back to Toyota for a second, Toyota's a little bit interesting because they use a bunch of different systems depending on the vehicle, but they're all pretty good. So, like, the Corolla is very different from a Camry, which is very different from, like, a Tundra, which is a much older system. Uh, but across the board, pretty much always have a volume and a tune knob, easy to use, not really great to look at. It's not, nothing fancy, but it's inno- I- It reminds intuitive. me of, like,
2: a 12-year-old uh, video game
3: yeah it's intuitive and it makes sense and it's uh it's it's easy to use the lexus system if you can get past the touchpad is a little bit confusing because they have this weird split screen thing where they you can configure it to have navigation on one side and then Uh, Media on the other side and it's it's just kind of a mess and the the colors are are all dark blues and yeah I'm not a big fan of the Lexus system at all. I agree with you on that one
2: Yeah, uh, and the Lexus system also has this haptic feedback, right? Where uh, on the touchpad you're supposed to be able to feel when you're touching a certain part of the screen, right? uh, And it just jumps all over the place and half the time you end up pushing the wrong button the other thing You know that is a test. This is how I kind of test how a system works you know how hard is it to set my presets for my favorite radio station and now keep in mind guys we drive you know a different car pretty much every day and so uh, it's different when you own the thing and you get to actually like learn it and use it on a daily basis but how hard is it this is my test to figure out how to set a preset radio station or a satellite station uh, and if it's if, if i have to go into like 14 different menus to do that uh, then I give up. Because the old system was super easy, right? Back in my day all you did was push the button and hold it underneath uh, the tuner dial and that's how you would set your presets. If I have to go in and you know select from a drop down menu and scroll through and then designate it as a favorite and then you know it doesn't show up as a favorite and then it gets lost you know maybe there's 18 favorites and they're only displaying like six of them on page one and my favorite just got saved to page three it just gets to be too much that's when you know it's like way too technical for you know driving and trying to stay safe on the road. The Lexus system I don't I think also, I don't think it has the shortcuts
3: constantly displayed on the screen like Uconnect where they never go away. Yeah. Uh, it depends on which, which, which uh, menu you're in. Um, the only good thing I will say is um, there's a bunch of different systems depending on the year of the Lexus. Sometimes you get the little, uh, the little like cursor dude right, to the little uh, joystick, yeah. which is better. I think the joystick is better than the touchpad. Right, And the good news is about uh, the, the touchpad and the joystick is you still get a little mouse, essentially, a little cursor, so you know where you're at relative to the screen. So when you move the joystick or the touchpad, when you slide down, the little cursor moves down one unlike something like the Acura system, which we'll talk about later, where
2: you don't have the little mouse pad. Actually, let's talk about it now, because it seems like Acura took everything that, the newest system of Acura's infotainment, took everything that was really frustrating uh, from the Lexus system and incorporated it into their system. We just had, you know, a bunch of new Acuras, uh, and I was amazed that they actually made it more convoluted and complicated.
3: So they're also using, we just drove the new MDX MDX, and the new TLX, and they have the same system. They also have a separate touchpad, just like Lexus, located down by the shifter, so nowhere near the screen, but unlike Lexus, they don't have a cursor. And the idea is, uh, they have a name for it, but it's like a real touch system. So if I touch, if I click in the left hand side, upper left hand side of the cursor, that same action will be displayed on the screen. So for example, if I'm trying to get to um, like navigation, I see it on the screen, it's in the upper right hand side, Tap the upper right hand side of this little itty bitty touchpad, and I'll go there. The issue is the touchpad
2: is about one inch by two inches. Yeah, it's this weird, like little, uh, it almost looks like uh, like, a, like a like a strip of uh, gum, right? Yeah. Except not as long. And then
3: you're using a one inch by two inch um, touchpad to control a screen that's 15 inches big. Yeah. And and that real time touch sensitive indication just doesn't work
2: <laughs> yeah and between that and going to uh, um buttons for gear selector it's super confusing so it would be like operating
3: your phone <laughs> if you had to keep your finger on the phone to select what you're trying to do yeah, because it's not it's not that intuitive and there's no mouse. So basically, what you end up doing is you end up dragging your finger along this little touchpad constantly, trying to feel the
2: point where you actually hit the icon <laughs> I, you're trying to I, I, hit. I would have loved to be in that room where like some Honda engineer proposed. You know what? Let's not just change the infotainment system and make it completely different, but let's also change the way that you sh- shift the car into gear and make that completely different. Like the two the two parts didn't actually talk to each other. I, I got this feeling. That a lot of uh, Acura buyers are going to be super frustrated because first they're gonna have to figure out how to you know put it in gear and you 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 know you're saying it's not a big deal you push the button but once again like GM has gone to a push-button system and it's very different from the Acura system because on GM system I think for reverse and for neutral or park you pull out right instead of pushing in whereas the acura system you have to push in uh and uh yeah it, it's 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 it's, a, it's like the wild west out there and god help you if you're my mom the
3: other weird thing acura sort started doing is um in the middle of the dash there's this giant knob yeah. which would make sense to be the volume knob, and you right. always go to reach it. But it's not it. the volume knob. No, it's a dynamic control knob, so you can change the different drive modes, whereas the volume knob is typically nowhere near where you'd expect it to be. Sometimes it's down by the center, sometimes it's on top of the dash. Uh, and then the Thank other you, weird, Audi. That was an Audi thing. The other weird thing about the uh, little touchpad is there's a second one next to it with two little parentheses, and that one controls this little sub-menu that pops out from the side. It's just a mess. And funny thing is, I'm, I'm looking on, online right now, when it came out, like all these big outlets were like, this is incredible, and yes, Acura will try to explain it to you that it works and it's really intuitive, but it just isn't.
2: Everybody I've talked to that's tried to live with it just really struggles with making it happen. All right, let's go on to the next one. I think we've beaten that uh, dog enough. Uh, Let's talk about the most improved system, and that's got to be... forwards right when sync first came out it was a hot mess i mean you know not only was it not intuitive uh, really hard but it didn't work actually uh and then we recently had the chance to drive the new Maki, uh, mach-e the electric car which has the latest version of uh is it still called sync or did they change the name of it no
3: i think it's a uh, sync four i think yeah something like that uh, and
2: it was really good actually yeah they you know?
3: they, they finally made it good yeah, yeah. And even in the new um, like F-150, uh, the latest generation of of that sync is very good as well. I mean, overall, it's 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 a little glitchy still on the Mach-E we had. Yeah, like I had some issues with the wireless Apple CarPlay initializing, but for the most part, far better than previous
2: systems. Yeah, the original sync was just like I said; it was a hot mess. Uh, people hated it. Actually, I think people wouldn't buy Ford's because of it. Well, I think it was made by or developed Microsoft, by Microsoft? Uh, yeah, right? I just uh, somehow the two companies didn't. You know who else have up Uh systems? Um, Blackberry. Oh. They're a huge supplier now for the automotive world, but anyway, uh, the newest one—it's uh, very uh, straightforward. Uh, you know, you've got uh, different pages. It's a lot like uh, you connect in some ways, right? Where you've got big um, touchscreen with uh, like you know big buttons that do very obvious things, right? Once again, taking a page out of Lexus—I mean, out of out of Tesla—not Lexus—and uh, and, you know, once you learn it. It, it's, it's pretty easy, very colorful, very crisp. Um, ours was a little glitchy and buggy, uh, but you can see that they're actually onto something. Uh, so I'm gonna give that one the most improved. I'm gonna give uh, the exact opposite to the least improved. You know what, Tommy? What is that? The one that actually started out, and, and it's based on Android Auto, so you think it'd be good, but it hasn't improved. Uh, that's a Volvo system so volvo when it first started using it which is now like five years ago maybe six years ago 2015 It's uh, yeah, a long time ago yeah it was, a, it was a while ago it was very much like a, like an ipad and you could swipe through different uh screens right and then each screen did something different uh so you could control you know audio controls in one like safety and convenience in the other uh, but they haven't updated it very much in the latest volvo's i've driven it's pretty much the same and it's starting to feel pretty dated and um, uh, the problem with all those screens is it's not easy to jump from one function to another And so you you're, you end up kind of digging through a bunch of different swipes to finally get to the one that you're looking for
3: Yeah, I've never found it to be all that intuitive Whenever you have to swipe in a moving car, I really struggle with the swiping thing yeah. um,
2: Swiping on a phone and an iPad makes sense, but the swiping in a car uh, I don't know, I just when you're it's moving, never it's worked hard. for me Yeah, yeah. And, and Volvo, if, you know, once again, if you want us to comment on your latest and greatest system, you got to get us a car to drive. So, you know, you're invited to send us a Polestar. We'd love to see. Because that's all new, right? That's, it's got a yeah. brand new system. Well, it's dif- Yeah, Polestar is different. And I think the, the, the charge, the recharge is a different system, too. Oh, okay. Too. Uh, but, you know, if you don't send them to us, we can't test them. So we're going to go with what we've done. Uh, and so open invitation. Yeah, we'll have to get our hands on a Polestar or a it, Recharge.
3: It's not very good. The only thing I like about it is it has a home button like an iPhone used to have, where you could kind of go to a default screen, which was a good idea, but not all that intuitive. All right, let's let's talk about the Germans now. Yeah, uh, I think they've got they've made big
2: strides. So let's talk about BMW and yeah, the iDrive. That's also most improved. So we had that uh, i3, which had one of the earlier versions of iDrive, uh, not the earliest. Like the earliest ones go back a long way. Those were just horrendous, right? It was nested menus. And pages within pages within pages. It didn't have a back button. You remember that time? I remember. Yeah, you were always struggling to, to <laughs> fix a mistake you would inevitably make. You, cou- you couldn't go back. Uh, it was like it was like the Germans um, sort were of being very methodical in their functionality, which made it impossible to use.
3: I think I drive p- kind of pioneered the idea of having the little rotary knob to control the screen, I think that was, uh, and I could be wrong, but I think that was a BMW invention. So you'd have this little circle that you could twist left and right and that would cycle through the different options on the screen, and then you'd push in to select. Uh, but yeah, the early ones were bad. The, then they got pretty good, but for some reason they incorporated this, and some of them might still do, where they incorporate the little uh, like uh, finger pad where you can type or draw letters, yeah. which no one has ever used in the history no.
2: of iDrive. No, no, and let's face it, your, your mom, has a BMW X5 the latest one so it's got the latest version of it and it's actually got if you look the BMW system is if you like BMWs and you learn the system it's very intuitive if you don't use BMWs and you get into it it can be confusing uh, you said you're right so the Germans did a couple of different things and they uh, most mostly all the manufacturers did one of these things, but the ones that the Germans were big on was a little pad that you write on, which was like a cool party trick, but I don't know when you'd ever use it right. The idea is like, hey, I'm looking up my phone, uh data you just I mean, draw a D, D yeah. yeah so that didn't work. work and now they've gone into something even more silly which is ha- you know that 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 like gesture control where if you want to turn up the volume you stick your finger in front of the radio and you turn it right you turn it left you pinch to do you know it's it's just it's, it's it looks like something that you would see in like um picard right if you watch the the, the video series picard you see that the way that they fly the newest spaceships is by these virtual controls. I don't think we're anywhere near that. Uh, It just looks silly when you're doing it. It's much easier just to actually turn a physical knob. I don't know why you'd want to do gesture controls. So um, I'm gonna give the BMW system kind of, it's in the middle. It's not horrible, but it's not groundbreaking. For the most part though, I think it works pretty well, the newest system.
3: Um, Fairly easy to navigate. You also have hard controls for volume, which is good. Uh, They have these funny shortcut buttons. So they look like preset buttons, and they can act as preset buttons, but you can also program them to hit like four, and rather than going to country, it'll take you to a preset in the navigation system, which is weird. Uh, but those are totally programmable. At least they have some hard buttons there. You can even like swipe your hand over the various hard buttons, and it'll show you what it'll take you to, like what menu it'll, it'll jump to. Uh, and then there's also um, typically hard controls for climate control in BMWs, yeah. which is a big a big plus yeah, it's very, it's very kind of style over substance
2: in a lot of ways. I think it's not not bad though, not as bad as it used to be. So, yeah. so, so the other company, I'm going to go with Mercedes, right, they decided that they weren't sure like how you want to control it. Do you want to control it by touching the screen? Do you want to control it by using a finger pad? Do you want to control it by using a knob, right? And so they give you all those choices plus the newest thing of course now is they give you voice controls and and dude voice control has been the bane of my existence ever since it actually came out because with the first sets of voice controls, you had to learn um, basically a different language to be able to control it right there was this uh, set of commands that would work but you had to speak them in a very specific order and if you didn't uh, it didn't work so basically the systems didn't understand natural voice control and then what the manufacturers did was they actually uh, you know used what Siri does and what Amazon does, hey Alexa, Uh, and they, you know, they they hook the car up to the cloud and a very powerful computer, so now in a Mercedes you say, hey Mercedes, what do you think of BMW, and it'll reply something like that, you know, the same thing you do, that's why I like seeing it in the rearview mirror, you know, so they're, they're trying to be now smart and they're trying to have natural voice commands. I find it to be stupid and, you know, not ready for prime time.
3: Well, at least it is a touchscreen, so you can operate it like right. a touch screen.
2: but I'm saying the voice command.
3: And um, and then the actual uh, screen itself is fairly easy to use because you have these big tiles, and each tile kind of has a different job, so it's like a tile for performance pages, there's a tile for navigation, there's a tile for media, and then there's even these interesting different themes are called. So there's like an adventure theme, which will uh, set up the gauge cluster, and
2: the, uh, the the little so info screen for
3: different different uh, types of driving situations. Yeah,
2: so the Germans want to give you ultimate control, right? So you can control eighteen different levels of steering and put ninety five different levels of lighting, eight hundred ninety five different levels of audible sound coming out of the exhaust. It just gets silly and silly. So you can dive into the system and, and, and you know basically control the car. I want it to be purple inside. I want the exhaust to be quiet. I want the steering to be hard. You know, it, it just gets overwhelming. And, and you know, it, it, to me, when I see all that it's like it's like the reason you go to a restaurant is because you want a really good chef to you know create that perfect meal the 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 thing i don't want in a restaurant is like where i have to build the meal and then have them do it because at that point it says to me that i'm doing it right i don't want to be the chef i want mercedes to be the chef so that's how i feel i I don't want to have all that control i want the car to once you get it set
3: up, if it was your car, once you set it up once, I think you just leave it be, and then you'd own it for the next I think
2: four I, years, and you would never touch the settings. Yeah. So why? Why well, do? Why even have it? Because, because I, then you can you set can, it up you, you exactly can, like you, you want it. C- to. Yeah. That's like that's like some you know German engineers' dream of like some guy gets the car or gal, and then they spend 14 hours in the, uh, in the in the owner's manual trying to dig through you know how specifically they want to set this thing up. All it does is you know the the beauty of really smart computers is they make really hard things simple. And this makes a really hard thing really hard. I didn't like it at first, but if you spend a couple of weeks with it, you, you kind of figure it out. It,
3: it does eventually make sense to you. And the other cool thing, which is really neat, there's this little itty bitty square. On the, on the steering wheel. There's actually two of them. One on the left side of the steering wheel and one on the right side. And it's a touch sensitive square. It's about a centimeter by centimeter. Um, but they've, they've actually made it work kind of like a little joystick and you can use it, this little square to navigate through every menu on the, on the screen. And for some reason, it does, if you have like a slightly bigger square, like on the Acura, it doesn't work. But if you have this little itty bitty square, put it on the steering wheel, the way it, it interacts with the navigation and the, the audio, it just kind of works, and it makes Does sense. Does it forget
2: that you're in a moving vehicle that can, you know, potentially? What's well, so the steering wheel, though? I mean, it's like it's like a little thumb control. I get that, but you are still in a, you still have to look over, you know, and completely, 100% of your attention is now focused to changing the st- channel using this little thing, as opposed to, like, watching out for the woman with the baby carriage that's about to jump in front of your car. I'm glad you brought that up, because the next system, if you listen to the manufacturer, they say...
3: They've made this system in such a way where you don't have to take your eyes off the screen. What's that? What do you think it is? Uh, I don't know. I'm it getting... should be great, but everybody hates doing, it. Are we doing the Germans? No, it's not not a German anymore. You
2: skipped the Germans. You skipped Audi and you skipped Volkswagen. Hang
3: on. Well, no, I want to I see if you All can right. guess this one. What's the, what's the screen that, that, that the manufacturer says is supposed to be much safer?
2: I don't know. Give me a hint. It is Mazda. Oh, I'm going to save that for, for the end, because that, that is by far the one that, that, that is... Well, well, we'll save that for the end. Let's, let's keep going through the Germans, okay? Uh, the Mazda thing deserves like its own show. But anyway, um, um, let's talk about Audi. So what Audi did, right, was they took all this complexity and they divided it into multiple screens. <laughs> You know, which is what Porsche is doing too, right? I think Porsche now has up to four screens or five screens. I created that in the old old systems. They, they had a bunch of different screens. Yeah, and so Audi, Audi divided into a bunch of different screens. And now you've got this issue where you've got the same potential information on different screens. So you have to decide where you want that information. And then to kind of try to simplify it, Audi used color coding, right? To specify different things, and I forget what the color codes are, but like yellow is like your phone, uh, red is like you know uh, um, uh, uh, like uh, um, like audio. You see what I'm saying? Uh, but you have to know what those colors are, uh, and then you can easily, I guess, figure out that if you want to change the radio station, you go for red. If you want to mess with the phone, you go for yellow. Uh, it's also very complicated. It's split up a bunch of different screens. The latest version of that, which we don't know if it's happening, but the uh, the Grand Wagoneer, right, when we were looking at that one, had seven screens, I think, including two in the back, so I think there were five in the front and two in the back. But the multiple screen thing is now getting... Um, a little bit out of control right so you, you, manufacturers have decided that you either have one giant screen or to make it more ergonomically pleasant you have multiple screens uh, and so for instance like in the Porsche Taycan they have a screen and in a Ferrari actually in front of the passenger and that will display things like how fast you're going so that if you really want to freak out your uh, passenger in the Autobahn you can display how fast the vehicle is going so what do you think of the Audi system? I, I don't know have you used it I haven't been in an Audi in so long no
3: I, they don't send us many cars out here so um, it's been it's been kind of yeah
2: yeah, yeah I, I I used it very colorful. a year and a
3: half ago but the, I don't remember
2: it very the, well. the the cred you got to give Audi is they went really early with Google Earth right so you on the navigation system you had the Google Earth Uh, superimposed over uh, you know the street map so you could actually see the buildings that you were trying to navigate to which I thought was really cool
3: so the other system which is a pretty good system (coughs) albeit looking kind of old now is the uh, Volkswagen system yeah like in the Atlas it's very basic I like that you get two knobs Uh, what I don't like is that the little (laughs) volume uh, the little power button is, um, it's driving my OCD crazy because it moves when you turn the little volume knob and it's never vertical, it's never in the upright position. But it's a good screen, big tiles that let you navigate. <coughs> Big tiles that let you navigate between different settings and uh, there's, there's kind of shortcuts for radio, car, media, that kind of
2: thing. So yeah, it's fine, it works. It's pretty basic, yeah. The other shot out you have to give that I really love on Mercedes system is, this is cool, when you've got the navigation going in the heads up display, it actually superimposes the name of the street and the arrows over the top of the navigation system. So it tells you, like, when you see the street, it, you'll see the street in yeah. front of you, mm-hmm. go cool. left on the street and go right. Cool. I think that's a really cool feature, probably one of the best features. And there's some other systems that do that as well. Uh, but yeah, big props to Mercedes for that one. All right, should we keep going? Yeah, uh, you know, another favorite of mine is the Hyundai Kia system. Very good, yeah. Uh, it's I, that's very straightforward. It's not too flashy, but it does a good job. Yeah, and it incorporates really easily with, like, Apple and Google. Uh, the cool thing, like, Uh, And the Kia system is like when you do the radio and you've got this old, like, um, it's not a real light bulb, it's more of a uh, resistor, right, and it gives you the name of the the satellite radio station, I think that's really cool. the navigation is really easy. And we're not talking about navigation too much because let's face it, it's just so much easier to use navigation in your phone, whether you like Apple or Waze or uh, you know, Google Maps. It's just so much more intuitive than having to use the one on the in the car system. So uh, yeah, I love Kia and Hyundai's. I think it's straightforward. I think it's easy to use. I think it's intuitive. They also uh, use a lot of
3: hard on. buttons. So, so the hard, more hard buttons in my opinion, the better. Uh, Almost like a normal old-school radio would be best, go figure. But they have hard buttons for, like, typically for climate control, volume, tune. That's all good, so I think it's a good system.
2: Yeah, yeah, what else we got? We're kind of going through this uh, haphazardously.
3: Um, yeah, that's Hyundai-Kia. Genesis is uh, very confusing, actually. The Genesis system I'm not a big fan of. They tried to make it really fancy and it just, it kind of fell apart.
2: Oh, Cadillac, you know, had the worst system by far, Q. With the haptic controls, uh, Q was uh, not only distracting, but it was uh, painfully uh, unintuitive, Tommy. Yeah, uh, luckily, uh, they've kind of changed it up now with their newest. What do you think of the newest system they have? Yeah, we had it it's it in okay. the Escalade.
3: It's, it's alright. It's, yeah, it's not bad. I think it's anything would be better than QDaddy because they use these like everything on Q was a haptic button Even if it if it wasn't part of a screen it was still a haptic button and it was just it was so bad So um, yeah, the new the new system is pretty good
2: Yeah, uh, and uh, especially with that big giant screen now that actually has cameras built into it So we did a video actually Nathan did a video where we took uh, uh, cray paper and covered up the windows of the Cadillac on a closed course of course on a racetrack with no other cars And then he tried to drive using the uh, cameras that were displaying the road ahead onto the uh, And it's a uh, it's a little disorienting, but I think he was able to do it slowly. Yeah it, Yeah, it was uh, it was oh, funny <laughs> to watch for sure And they all they're also the ones that actually put the directions on to the uh, Overlay the direction onto the uh, navigation system. Yeah, Q was terrible. That was such a bad system. I think that was probably one of the worst ever
3: made. Um, but Cadillac has definitely improved it in the last couple of years, so big
2: props to them. Okay, all right. All right, let's keep going. Uh, I think we're, we're pretty close to all of them. I think we probably missed some. I'm sure we missed some. We haven't, you know, we haven't had a Porsche in a long time. So, uh, you know, I'm not too familiar with that one. So I think we'll have to skip that one. That's part of the, and we won't talk about- What know, about Land Rover? Yeah. What about Land Rover? (laughs) Land Rover is, uh, so Land Rover is, uh, we have a Defender and it's, they're trying to be cutting edge, right? So they're trying to uh, make the system uh, be, I would say, almost like too cool for school, right? Mm -hmm. So um, it's got uh, different icons for different uh, functionalities. and the problem with it it's always been that like, like the, the the ambition of the system has lacked the processor power of the hardware so it always tends to be just a little bit like too cutting edge and when you actually end up using it it tends to be glitchy and slow and non-responsive at times i agree
3: yeah and it's it's been an issue for a lot of years and it, it's gotten better but it still is sometimes it just won't respond to your your commands
2: on yeah, the first yeah track. we can talk about cameras because the latest one the defender has really cool camera tech uh, and if you know in, our, in the first one that we bought that failed uh, there was a module that went out that actually killed all the cameras but what it does is it allows you to do like a virtual rendering of the vehicle so you can see 360 degrees it's almost like watching you know, somebody using uh, a camera that then walks around the vehicle and gives you all these different views. And that's hard to do when you've got fixed cameras. Uh, some of the cool features are uh, it'll, like, let you look through the hood. So if there's a rock or something underneath the wheel uh, that you normally can't see because you got this big hood in the way, you can actually see it using the cameras. So they're really pushing what the technology can do. Uh, if it works, it works great. But if is a big Problem there.
3: A lot of the Ranger products now, also the dual screens for uh, climate as a separate screen as well. I've just, it's they're always just not. They don't they don't feel crisp if that makes sense. You really gotta work them to. To get them to to go where you want them to go, so not a big fan of them, but they're they're all right. So a lot of these manufacturers use pretty similar screens to to their parent companies. Like Mini is just a worse BMW system. Rolls Royce is pretty much just a worse BMW system. Uh, a lot of like the super luxury brands, Bentley fairly similar to the Audi Volkswagen Group system. Right,
2: right. They're using basically the company. So we're not going to go and get into all these Same products. thing with like Lincoln is pretty similar to the Ford yeah, system. Yeah, exactly.
3: Um, but so what, what is the what is the best system and what is the worst system currently on sale? The worst system is Mazdas. Yeah, so Mazda, and actually <laughs> the, Mazda, the Mazda PR team came out and scolded us journalists. And yeah. they said, we've done the research. And if you spend seven to 10 days with it, it actually makes sense. And what Mazda does is they use like an iDrive system from 2004 uh, with the little circle knob we have to go through many many different menus it's hard to get out of said menus uh, and it's not touch screen so there's no
2: way to manually touch it i just i really don't understand it. it's a small company and i think that they at the end of the day have the least amount of budget to devote to actually building out their electronics but they're still pushing it they still say this is the way to go once again they build i think some of the best cars yeah they excellent cars as as a manufacturer of cars that are fun to drive and have really great dynamics um, you know, in all conditions. Uh, Mazda's great, but as a, a as a software company, uh, they should really just outsource it at this point. Uh, the, the system, in my opinion, has been at least two generations behind ever since it was introduced. I think they were the last, along with Toyota, to go to Apple and Android, right? Because, because there were two reasons that a lot of companies, especially Toyota, didn't allow Apple and um, Google to have access to their cars and that was because uh, both those companies take a lot more information from the vehicle than just uh, what you're seeing on the screen right so a a car knows for instance you know how hard it's braking, how hard it's accelerating Uh, in an accident there's just this wealth of information and all that information was being um, as part of Android Auto or Apple CarPlay was being Provided to both Apple and Google and like Toyota said no, we don't want to give that to you I think Mazda just didn't I'm guessing at this once again. I'm guessing. I don't have anybody at Mazda saying this, but you know You have to pay for that uh, System and I I think Mazda didn't want to pay for it So uh, for the longest time the question we always got was when is Mazda going to have one of those two systems and now of course they have it, but um, I think the reason that people wanted it so badly was because Mazda's very own Infotainment system was so old and kind of crunchy that people just wanted and were starving for the ability to actually Use one of the two aftermarket ones to control their infotainment.
3: I agree. Yeah, it just it's not a great system I agree. So I think that is I agree No, I disagree. I think Acura's the worst
2: Acura's got Mazda
3: you can kind of figure out Acura. Acura's just a, trying to be debacle. good But it,
2: it, it kind of fell off a cliff. Yeah, uh, and I think the best is still How about Honda
3: Um, is a little fussy. Yeah. It's a little bit fussy, it's better than, now that they have the volume knobs back, it's definitely better. Thank God, yeah. But um, yeah, not not super, super great, not the worst. I mean, it's pretty easy to figure out. It just doesn't have a lot lot of uh, um, interesting or super usable features.
2: Yeah, Uh, anyway guys, I'm sure we've forgotten some, you know, we're not uh, 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 actually tabulating these, we're just kind of having a free flow conversation we think it's more fun that way so let us know in the comments below what you think are we absolutely wrong are we absolutely right Uh, maybe you know we have a weird perspective because we really don't you know like have a car that we drive every day we have so many test cars that's
3: true yeah maybe we
2: have a very flawed perspective yeah it could be I think maybe you know maybe if you uh, own a Mazda or own an Acura uh, or own a Mercedes, or own, you know, any of these vehicles. You just love the system, you learn it, and it becomes second nature. Uh, That's right. we, we never have enough time in them to actually get that far.
3: Yeah, for sure, and let us know what your experience with these systems has been in
2: the comments below. And as always, check out tflcar.com for what? Uh, more news, views, and of course, independent and honest reviews, Tommy. Yeah, we'll see you next time. Ciao.